0: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to an all new episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I am joined once again by Ben Freaking Fennel. You can find him on Twitter at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. Ben, it has been far too long. I don't know when the last time we chatted was, but however long ago it was, like I said, it was, it was far too long. I'm so excited to have you back on the show. Feels like we were just talking about potential draft picks for Green Bay a season ago. We've got so much to discuss. First of all, welcome back, and how the heck have you been? I'm doing great. It
1: has been a while, but myself, like 30 other teams, have moved on to the draft, moved on to the offseason, and it's time to start looking ahead. It's an exciting time. It's kind of that clean slate or build your slate. Uh, time of the year. And, you know, there's uh, optimism building as teams are kind of uh, ripping the page clean and uh, like myself, putting 2023 to bed and uh, moving forward here. So Senior Bowls on the TV, Super Bowls a week away. We're hitting February here. It's a good time to be alive.
0: It very much is. And again, we have so much to discuss because it is free agency draft, end of the season, end of year reviews. There's all of it. We still have, a, of course, the Super Bowl to be played. Uh, but I want to start with obviously the the latest news, and that is that the Packers have a new defensive coordinator. Uh, that is Jeff Hafley, And I just want to get I know you already did a little bit of a dive into some of the tape and the analytics and the, the stats from from B.C. So your thoughts on the Packers decision to hire Jeff Halfley as defensive coordinator? Listen, full disclosure, I'm
1: playing catch-up like everybody else, all right? I wasn't sitting on my couch Saturdays watching Boston College most weekends, and I wasn't studying their prospects for the most part over the last three and four seasons. I think they had one player on the defensive side drafted in the last four years, and of course, that's our own Isaiah McDuffie. There it was a, a day three pick there, but did study him a little bit studying their little edge rusher that didn't come out. And Josh DeBerry was a nice nickel before he transferred over to Texas A&M. So I want to fire up the tape and get a general assessment for the scheme, not necessarily the talent, because Boston College is middling college programs. I don't know what type of talent they're getting. I don't know if they're, you know, paying in the portal and NIL money and getting some of these kickback kids from the bigger schools or what he's working with. So I just want to take a general look at the scheme. Saw some major kind of schematic points that I had tweeted in that thread. Man coverage, cover zero, cover one, particularly in the red zone and third down. And a lot of creative six man pressure concepts, which come with. Kind of hand in hand with that cover zero because you're sending obviously six rushers, but a much more aggressive approach than we had seen with Joe Barry. So it's going to look different. It's going to feel different. Not necessarily everything he's bringing is a truth serum or, you know, the golden goose type of thing. Everything in defense has pros and cons. Always remember that if there was a perfect defensive scheme. Everybody would play it every play, but it's a chessboard. You got to move your pieces around, take away things, and also leave yourself vulnerable in other areas. So it was fun diving into it. And it's a bit of a projection kind of spinning that forward because four years at Boston college, one year at Ohio state, very different kind of makeups of those rosters, so Ohio state relied a little bit more on the talent, the four man front, as you should with Ohio State type of recruits and uh, level of talent. So it was a fun dive in, but I'm still kind of learning and playing catch up like I'd imagine most of uh, Green Bay is.
0: Yeah, very much so. I-, I like the fact that it seems adaptable to what talent he does have, like you said, different at Ohio State than it was at Boston College. Understandably so, because the talent gap between the two is going to be massive. Just kind of looking at it, bare bones. We don't have to you know go too deep into the rabbit hole, but uh, what you did see from the tape in Boston College how do you feel like that sort of system and style melds itself with what green Bay has on the roster and it's a little bit difficult of course because we don't know what the safety room is going to look like you've got Eric Stokes coming back from injury you think you have Jair and Carrington at least Keyshawn Nixon's a free agent Kingsley and Igbari's got a torn ACL so it's we don't exactly know what the makeup of this team is going to look like defensively but knowing what we do know and knowing what you did see on tape What are some things that maybe entice you, give you concern? I'll let you go in any direction that you want to go with it.
1: All right. First thing, Boston College played an outrageous amount of man coverage over the last two years, second in the FBS in man coverage. That's 133 teams out there. So they're playing a ton of man coverage. What's going on in the NFL right now? Everybody's getting away from man coverage. They're playing a little bit more shell defense. We're hearing this too high scheme, quarter scheme, Fangio, you know, keeping it in front of you, preventing explosives. There are only so many teams out there playing this high volume pressure man. That's Wink Martindale, who just left the Giants. That's Brian Flores in Minnesota. And there's some guys like, you know, Steve Spagnuolo in Kansas City and Jim Schwartz that have the guys to do it. They also have guys like Miles Garrett and Chris Jones up front and a stable of cover corners. It's also dangerous to play man coverage in today's NFL. I think Nick Saban four or five years ago kind of threw his arms up in there and said, I think man coverage is broken. I don't really know what to do in man coverage. We're getting rubbed all over the place. The RPO game is just running away from our corners with the run threat. So all this high volume man coverage It has some cons, too, and it is risky. So while the Packers have been preventing explosives and keeping it in front of you and playing a little safer, a little bit looser, it had the results that reflected that. There weren't as many explosives. You weren't beat over the top as much. So this pressure man scheme, it could come with more high variant defensive results. If you get those quarterbacks that know where to go against cover zero they're typically having opportunities to beat man coverage for a big play. So do the Packers have the personnel to play that way? That remains to be seen, as you had said. I think, you know, Jair is a corner that should be able to survive in any scheme. We're still kind of waiting for what type of player Eric Stokes will be. But it's also an exciting time in that you could start developing that personnel to fit whatever scheme you want to play. So as much as he has been adaptable to his personnel – you want to get the right Jimmy's and Joe's to fit those X's and O's too. So it's an exciting time out there, but just always remembering, there's no perfect defensive scheme. It's what you want to live and die by. So I think Packers fans and community judging the reactions of my thread and over the last, you know, several seasons, they're ready for a little bit more high-variant defense, a little bit more aggressive attacking style, which could come with some burns on the back end, but I think that's the way the Packers fans and the defensive approach kind of wants to play it moving forward.
0: I will raise my hand, Ben. I'm ready to get beat over the top. Sign me up for a couple of deep <laughs> balls over the top. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm excited and Andy, all it. that
1: stuff cyclical. You know, during the yeah. Capers years of getting beat over the top and the coverage confusions, all you wanted was just play safe, play deep, play loose, play vanilla. Now we got a little too vanilla. Now it's like, all right, let's dial this thing up. Where's (laughs) Buddy Ryan? Cover zero, all out blitz. Let's do it. So these kind of tones are very cyclical, as defensive should be, because there's no perfect defense. So it's always going to kind of ebb and flow based on how you're getting beat and the feel of it.
0: And that's why I think the adaptability is so important. I like the fact that he comes from different schemes and systems. I like the fact that we saw a little bit something different at Ohio State than we saw at Boston College. It feels like he has a pulse on what his team can be good at and he adapts it to what they need to be. And Goody even said in his press conference on Thursday, basically, that, yeah, you because know, he was starting to get asked about like what type of scheme. And he's like, well, first of all, it's a 4 5 defense for everyone in the NFL anyway. Right. Um, but he's like, you know, secondly, he's like, he, you know, what he's excited about is that he's going to be able to come into the building and evaluate the personnel on the team and then build his system off of that, which is a million percent what you want to hear. So I'm excited to see how he puts it together just because he played a ton of single high man in, in you know, college doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be able to carry over to the NFL. As you mentioned, they can just play man beaters all day if you play too much man. So there's going to have to be that chessboard mentality exactly like you said. And I do think he has a little bit of that in his bag. And we're just going to have to kind of see how it plays out before we kind of move on from defensive coordinator. I wanted to also just sort of combine this with the fact that Joe Barry was let go as defensive coordinator, uh, did you agree with that? Did you feel like it was time to move on? Um, and now that we know who the new defensive coordinator is, do you feel like this is a positive move for the Packers?
1: Yeah, I was probably okay with moving on this time last year. So I'm okay with it, despite the glimpse of success down the stretch of the season there. I just think we're ready for a new voice of leadership at the top in that defensive room, considering the talent and the capital used to acquire some of that talent. I think we just need to point to the system, the scheme, the voice, the coaching to maybe get the most out of those players, because there was no question there was talent and aggressive capital to acquire talent on that defensive side and you just weren't getting the results. So I thought the very first thing you should do, let's change the coach. So I think that was maybe a calendar year too late, but we got here and we're moving forward.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. We definitely talked about it uh, last point in the offseason of potentially moving on. It didn't happen. I was a little bit more uh, willing to accept that based on the fact that this past year felt like an evaluation year for everyone. I think they got the evaluation they needed. They moved on, like you said, maybe a year too late, but they get the guy that they want now. Defensive coordinator aside, um, you know, obviously we're going to have to wait and see what Jeff Hafley brings to the table. But from your point of view, What would you like to see this Packers defense mold into? How would you like to see them play? What maybe positions do they need to target in free agency or the draft? Like, where would you like to see this defense go in 2024?
1: Well, like we had said, I just want to see some more calculated, dictating schemes, a little bit more aggressive. Not to say I need them to be Brian Flores or Wink. You just don't want to be 31st in cover zero and 30th in man coverage on third down. There's a balance there. So that could also come with some lapses too. But being a little bit more calculated in how you dial up some aggressive schemes here and there and pick your battles. The other thing, tackling, 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 Andy. This team needs to get better at tackling. Not only the pursuit, the effort, the angles, the technique. The number of chicken wing tacklers on the back end of this defense are insane. Now, for every defender that lowers his hat and tries to, you know, knock out a ball carrier with his crown, I want to find a guy for throwing the chicken wing. And it just kills me. And, you know, in one game, in the Niner game, you could find Jair giving a chicken wing, Darnell Savage giving a chicken wing in the hole, Jonathan Owens giving a chicken wing. Yes, does Jair Alexander's chicken wing knock out Debo Samuel? Yes, but it was a chicken wing nonetheless. That's the haha Clinton Dicks. I want to see better technique, effort, angles across the board, tackling this Packers team is 30th in forced fumbles over the last three years combined. This team is just not rallying to the ball and not attacking the ball carry with proper technique and aggressiveness, and I think that's the number one thing I think Jeff Hafley is going to come in and try to do, is make this team a better tackling team first and foremost, and I am welcoming it.
0: Hey friends, for those of you who know me well enough you know that the only thing I might like more than the Packers Is pizza, But not just any pizza, of course, Little Caesars Pizza. It's time that you join me and make Little Caesars, which by the way is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. Order online during the Pizza Pizza pregame, all day on NFL game days and Pro Bowl Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza, and as I always tell you, do not forget the crazy bread. The best part is that everyone wins with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pick, So grab some friends, grab some crazy bread, and enjoy some delicious Little Caesars pizza during the game. Hey friends! That was until I found GameTime. GameTime is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets, and an even easier to use app. GameTime is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using GameTime, stress-free. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code Packaday for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Packaday for $20 off. Oh, and GameTime is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code Packaday. Download GameTime today, last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Amen. I could. T- I could not agree more. And we saw how it rears its ugly heads at the wrong time. You've got Christian McCaffrey in the hole, one on one with Darnell Savage, and it results in a 39-yard touchdown instead of what should have been a seven or eight-yard gain. And I get Christian McCaffrey uh, does that to a lot of people, but a little bit of better technique work can go a long way in those specific se- type of scenarios. I'm ready for a totally new safety group, Ben. I don't know about you. Um, I've kind of, I've kind of. uh just let's just put it this I'm ready to move on from the Darnell Savages the Jonathan Owens the Rudy Fords if you want to bring one of those guys back as like a veteran back of the end safety that can fill in in a pinch and play some special teams like an Owens or Rudy Ford be my guest that's fine but I definitely feel like it's time to go in a different direction in that safety room, get some younger guys, get some more talent. It's a really fun free agency class at safety. It just feels like they need a makeover at that position. Yeah, I'm with you. It's almost impressive that they survived, you know, 20
1: games with that safety group. I mean, you go to any local bar and find an avid fantasy football (laughs) player or gambler, ask them to name a Packer safety that played one snap this season. I think they'd be tough to do it. And there's a couple of position groups like that across the league and maybe even on the Packers. I think I'm just as impressed with them surviving with that offensive line group uh, with Jordan Love behind them as I am at that secondary. So uh, very, very overachieving from my expectations of that Packers team.
0: Well, let's take a look at the, the 2023 Packers as a whole, because I do want to pick your brain on that. You know, first of all, I'm curious as to kind of what your expectations were going into the season and then how the Packers either failed to meet, met or over exceeded your expectations in this past season, getting to the divisional game, ultimately losing to the 49ers and, uh, you know, just kind of final results versus what you thought they were going to be going in.
1: So I was born in 1987. So let's say I've been a Packers fan for 30 years. This is the first year I think I went in without expectations. Yeah. It was a really weird feeling of going into a season and having no expectations just left you kind of aimless and swirling the drain uh, through most of the season. So, yes, I was impressed with their final product. I was impressed they you know, made it into the playoffs with a playoff win, going toe-to-toe with the 49ers, all through and through. Jordan Love's performance. I was impressed. I was impressed with the coaching. But this team was really exciting on a week-to-week because they often played to their opponent. And they battled and beat teams like the Chiefs, the Lions, the Cowboys in the playoffs. They also got their pants pulled down against the Raiders and the Broncos, and they let Carolina score 30 on them. And he (laughs) lost to the Giants. And, you know, so it was a weird team to kind of evaluate on a week to week. They never really showed you who they were, uh, you know, in a kind of a full disclosure transparency sense because they kept playing to who they had in front of them, which was exciting at times and maddening at times, but to watch a season with no expectations, Andy, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you know, I think that the pressure on Sundays was more of a, let's see what they give us type of thing, as opposed to saying, you got to win this game. And I think you sat there in week 17, 18 wild card and started to look around and say, Wait a minute, does this team have something here? Right. You know, if you just get hot at the right time, like they did late this uh November, kind of a lapse there, early December, but then hot again, late December. You know, that's the that's the formula, that's the recipe. And for a team that I went in with no expectations, it was fun to watch. Um, so I think sitting here with the future ahead of this team coming off of that season, I'm really excited for the future of the Packers.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I, I owe you a ton of credit because one of the things that we talked about and you specifically said when we talked about uh, right before the season started was what you're going to see from this Packer team is a lot of high highs and some very low lows. You're going to see the peaks in the valleys. You're going to see the wide variants, You're going to see a young team with a lot of talent go up against some good teams and beat them. You're going to see them go against some bad teams and lose to them. Um, I adopted that very same mentality after talking to you and watching them more and more. And that's exactly what they got this past season was a team that saw the high, some very high highs, some very low lows, everything in between. And but you're hopeful that they can take those high highs and maybe bring those low lows up and make it a little bit uh, less of that dip and, and just kind of continue to improve moving forward.
1: You know, that's what it seems like it started to do, you know, towards November, December. You just started to kind of baseline yourself a little bit. So that Richter scale wasn't going up and down, it was just kind of riding a little bit more steady, which I think is the trajectory you get with all these young players out there. And these young players are lottery tickets. Some are gonna fall on their face make it through after a couple games, maybe a year or two. Some start out hot, some never get it. So the, each one is its own trajectory, its own learning curve. You have guys coming from FCS and Tucker Craft, you have guys coming from the group of 5 here and there, asked to contribute and play meaningful snaps in the NFL like that, all while learning an NFL playbook and trying to, you know, learn with a young quarterback really impressive and you know they were kind of drowning i think that first month or two but to see the young guys kind of play faster and you can see the mental aspect really slow down for them and then they were able to play faster and produce and be productive and exciting young players and it was fun to watch that maturation if you're able to get through that first two months and you you weren't you know completely drunk by that point
0: in a weird way I do feel like kind of the Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, and Christian Watson injuries earlier in the season almost forced them to get better faster. And it, I think it almost helped guys like Musgrave and Kraft and Reed and Wicks and um, Rashid Walker. And those guys just get more playing time and just have to step up. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year, I know they didn't get Bakhtiari back, but all of a sudden Rashid Walker was playing pretty darn well. You get, you know, Watson back, you get Jones back. And it's all of a sudden like, oh my goodness, they have like weapons everywhere. And it was fun to watch. I do want to pick your brain on that draft class in just a moment, but I'd be remiss not to ask you about Jordan Love. I know you watched a lot of film on him through the course of the season. What was your overall evaluation of Love this past year?
1: I thought he played incredible. I, you know, it was very much a week to week, down to down, drive to drive, figure it out. Sometimes you look good within structure. Sometimes it was a backyard type of play and he had to figure it out and you develop that trust, that rapport, the experience with his young supporting cast. That was clearly clunky, you know, for the first month or two, not only just executing and to make sure guys were in the right spot, getting lined up the right way, getting the checks, knowing their landmarks, knowing the conversions. Oh, yeah, and then we actually have to execute and complete the pass and catch the ball. So before any of the physical happens, the mental was just setting this team back so much in the first few months. And I think that tight end room really speaks to it. You know, Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave. Tucker Craft's a good player. He didn't know what he was doing the first month. He didn't know his assignments half the time. Once he got his assignment, he can execute it. Same thing with Musgrave, not knowing the right routes, the right depths, the right checks. These guys are talented young players. You got to know what to do. And I think Love was starting to grow and build that trust with these players through the season as raw as it was right in front of our eyes. You can watch that growth and that maturation. And that went lockstep with Jordan Love's success. So I was really impressed. Um, You know, you got to see a lot of exciting young players show up for Jordan Love and Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks and Romeo Dubs. And to see the game slow down for these young players and show what they can do from Saturdays to Sundays. It's exciting. Each of these young players are lottery tickets. They have some value. Not all of them get these opportunities in the NFL. So it's really exciting to see that blank slate. And some of these guys actually fill it in with some exciting high-level play. Oh, yeah. That offensive line. We just survived how many games at Rasheed Walker at left tackle. It's an amazing job by Jordan Love to navigate not only the Outside narratives, but the actual inside the locker room ebbs and flows of the young talent. Jordan Love, very, very impressive season. Now his personality, that stoic kind of calmness. It's interesting to evaluate. It's very much that Jalen Hurts. He's not going to go too high. He's really not going to go too low. That's not for everybody. Some want a little more rah-rah. Some want a little more emotion when things are going wrong. I like that even keel type of guy that's never going to get too high or too low. We can evaluate that for another day. But Jordan Love, 2023, he showed everybody exactly what he need to, and I think you're ready to throw him the keys for the future.
0: I'm with you on literally everything that you just said. Uh, I think it was so impressive how he just navigated the rigors of a full NFL season. Teams threw different things at him, and he had responses to it as the season went on. He saw all different types of defenses. I was expecting at some point like a defense to give him trouble, and then every other coordinator was just going to copy paste and just keep. And that just they, that never really happened. and credit to Matt Lafleur for that as well. There was this idea going into the season that, man, this is going to be awesome. You're going to have all of these really young wide receivers and tight ends developing on the same path as Jordan Love. And then you get to that early part of the season. You're like, oh, maybe maybe this is not the right. And then all of a sudden they all get going in the same direction. You mentioned Tucker Craft. I thought he made as big of an improvement from day one until end of season as anyone on the entire roster um, it was just really fun to watch them play cohesive football and more and more, more so as the season went along. It was a hell of a journey, and I'm with you. From expect no expectation to divisional round and the growth that this team showed, I don't know how you can't be excited about this moving forward.
1: And my one last note before we put Jordan Love to bed here, I love watching JTL Sullivan's breakdowns, the QB school. So good. My one major takeaway from all his Jordan Love breakdowns, which I would implore you guys to go watch those on a rainy day if you haven't already, Jordan Love does not know how to help himself yet which you develop with time and experience in reps so a lot of times you watch JTO Sullivan break down a play and it's an exciting explosive play and the breakdown or the assessment will be it didn't have to be this hard yep so I think that should really excite Packer's fans that he was this successful this productive making this many plays, And he really didn't know how to help himself yet like a veteran quarterback should or would. And that's going to come with time. And the game's going to slow down for Jordan as well. And he's going to start to develop those little tips and those little tricks on how to help yourself execute plays. And that should really excite the future of this team because he made some plays that didn't have to be so hard. And I thought JT did a really good job of explaining it. Hey, yes, this was completed, but it didn't have to be like this. It could have been like that. And I think he's going to start to refine his game, make things a little bit easier on himself and find ways to help himself make big plays.
0: First of all, J.T. O'Sullivan is incredible at his breakdowns and his ability to be so smart, but so humble. And so being able to explain everything on its simplest terms so that everyone can understand. He just does phenomenal, phenomenal work.
1: And a great Packers perspective, kind of into things.
0: I'm in Green Bay. He's a great voice. It really, really is. Um, I if, For those of you who are listening on the audio channel, as Ben is explaining that, I am grinning ear to ear because I came away with so much of the same stuff during the course of the season where it's like he's just scratching the surface of what he's capable of. And credit to Goody and Matt LaFleur who said all along, he just needs reps. He needs to play. He needs this opportunity. And what struck me so much was his ability from the beginning of the year to even start taking some of the things that didn't work and like start erasing that from it, you know, from his game and then like just start improving. And it was almost like he was learning legitimately like learning in real time and like, like storing things in the data bank of like, Oh yeah, I can do this. Oh, I can't do this anymore. And he very rarely made some of the mistakes um, twice. And I'm just so, so freaking thrilled that I think he's going to be able to even take it to another level moving forward. Let's go back uh, and talk a little bit about that 2023 draft. I will give you another kudos. Uh, I know Jaden Reed was one of your guys going into draft weekend. That has clearly been a very big hit for Green Bay. Um, What are your other takeaways? Obviously, a very impressive draft class overall. We talked Musgrave. We talked, uh, you know, Tucker Craft. You've got Dontavian Wicks. Carrington Valentine plays a ton. Carl Brooks shows up. Colby Wooden is the rotational dude. We haven't even talked about their first round pick LVN. A little up and down, but your thoughts on this overall 2023 draft class?
1: Yeah, it was an exciting haul and it was great to see these guys get taken out of the package and get opportunities to see if those numbers hit on the lottery ticket. And I just don't think players get these opportunities. And I think when we're studying these draft prospects and kind of projecting and comparing careers and traits, luck and opportunity is such a factor in these guys' career. And you just think of all players before that had opportunities based on injuries in front of them and things happening, you know, in their lives, in the course of locker rooms. Not everybody gets these chances. So it's great to see guys like Dontavian Wicks get an opportunity and show up, which he had these traits at Virginia. You could beat press coverage. You can separate and catch the ball. Those are three pretty good traits when you're studying wide receiver prospects. This class beat press coverage, separate, catch the ball. I don't need you to run four three. I don't need you to jump 40 inches. I don't need you to be 6'4". Beat, press, separate, catch the ball. That's what Jaden Reed does really well. That's what Wicks does really well. And it's exciting to see guys like Carl Brooks get chances too. Or Carrington Valentine. You know, a guy from Kentucky that easily looks like a starting corner in the NFL despite having a couple first-round corners in the locker room, in the defensive back room with him. So I think I just love seeing the makeup of these guys have opportunities, and show up when they can uh, and perform. And just remember, these opportunities don't come by every year or every week or, you know, for everybody. So it's fun to see. We already touched on the tight ends and the mental stuff, kind of holding them back early, playing faster, more confident down the stretch. And Lucas Van Ness, remember, Packers fans, this was a future pick. This was a young kid, either inexperienced, no starts at Iowa, and you didn't need him to be a 50 QB pressure guy you know, behind Preston Smith, who I thought played really well this year and Rashawn Gary and some really nice presences like Annabare and, you know, outside of, uh, you know, some of the defensive tackles as well, stepping up like Clark and Devonte Wyatt. So I think Van Ness, his expectations weren't over the moon. So it was just get your feet wet. And I th- thought it was a, Kind of a out-of-the-package season of just get some 10, 15, 20 snaps a game and get a feel for the NFL speed. And I thought he started to get a little bit more comfortable down the stretch. But as the down-the-stretch went, you got to see people like Trent Williams and Tyron Smith, and it's a, it's a learn-on-the-job craft as well, rushing the passer. He'll be better for
0: it. I think he will be, and all those guys got a tremendous opportunity and a ton of snaps, and they're going to be better for it moving forward. I'm going to give you just the floor. Any direction that you want to go with this, anything as you watch the Packers this year, a player that stood out in a good way, a player that stood out in a bad way, somebody that maybe didn't progress the way that you were hoping, somebody that took a major step that maybe people aren't talking about, floor is yours, whatever direction you want to go with that. Hey there, I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet, do you want to play alongside some of prize picks favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? you can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. I've had so much fun making prize picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports have a ton of variety and different options to choose from. And the player choices are immense. Daily fantasy sports made easy.
1: All right. Three quick ones here. I'm getting a little bit uh, repetitive here at my Zach Tom praise. I just mentioned it's impressive what Jordan Love did behind this offensive line. All you needed was one. You needed one offensive lineman you can trust. And I think that's Zach Tom, not Elton Jenkins, Zach Tom. Watch Zach Tom throughout the season. A lot of the long developing plays often blocking the backside end one-on-one. He was the guy you can trust. If you don't have one you can trust, I don't think you can survive. But Zach Tom continually impressing me every week, every snap. He is an absolute stud. Getting a little sick of talking about him, so we're going to move on. (laughs) I thought TJ Slayton had a great season for what they asked him to do. I thought he was a really impressive Uh, dominating nose tackle with a good quick get off was very disruptive down the stretch and kind of lets guys like Devontae Wyatt and Kenny Clark do what they do and keep them off of the a gaps, let them be a little bit more athletic. Uh, I thought TJ Slayton really played well quietly. He's a 340 pound D tackle. He's not making a lot of splash plays, but when you put on the film, he's wrecking guys in there. I really like watching him play. And thirdly, big credit to Keyshawn Nixon. So well, I know they gave that little contract to in the offseason. It was kind of a 6-7 DB in the room, really good returner. That was kind of their splash signing in that weird offseason, not knowing if you had money with Rodgers and Bakhtiari. I was a little bit lukewarm on it. He played great this season, particularly down the stretch. I thought December into the playoffs, he played outstanding. And I just love the nickel makeup across the NFL, whether you have Keyshawn Nixon's of the world or Teron Johnson's out of Weber State, or, you know, Arthur Millette was just playing for the Ravens. I think some of the nickels, Kenny Moore, with the Colts, some of the nickels, the NFL have some crazy paths and stories to get to those spots. I think Keyshawn Nixon is absolutely an example, certainly from a big school in South Carolina and had played in the SEC a little bit. But he's a really good player. I was a little bit soured on him coming into this season. He really impressed me. So Keyshawn Nixon at that nickel spot there. I think that's his moving forward.
0: I'm glad you brought up Keyshawn Nixon. And even as you're saying this, I'm kind of thinking back. I at the end of the season, especially you mentioned December and January. I thought he easily played his best football at the end of this year and really like almost settled into the position a little bit more. And I, I maybe wasn't as high in him middle of the season, early in the season. But I absolutely agree with you towards the end of the season that he really sort of settled into it. And I thought he played much much better. Um, and I also have to sort of remind myself of how difficult a position that is to play in the slot. And like, you just have a variety of different wide receivers that can beat you in a variety of different ways. If you're an undersized guy, they can put a big physical guy in the slot. If they're, if you're a bigger guy, they can put a shiftier guy in the slot. They have two way goes and so many different like that is a really, really difficult job. And to your point, I think Keyshawn deserves more credit probably than even I've given him, especially the way he played at the end of the season. Yeah. It's tough business in there. Not to mention all the coverage assignments,
1: you're pretty much in run support, too, a lot of the time. Yeah. And, and if you think you're going to go out there as 185, 190 five hundred and ninety pound nickel out there, God forbid you're playing sub against 12 personnel, we're running right at your ass. I know what I'm doing as an offensive coordinator. So that's why these nickels turned into what we call big nickel, where you're playing yep. three safeties instead of three corners, because that nickel started to be a liability. But remember, through the mid-2000s, we had to cover Wes Welkers out there. We had to cover Brandon Stokely's and the shifty slot guys. Well, let took shifty corners. What's the maturation of all that? We're going to run at that little corner, or the run of that nickel. Now he needs to get a little bit bigger. Now we get more dynamic in the slot. And it's a cycle that keeps moving and ebbs and flows. So as offenses want to get smaller, defenses get smaller, offenses get bigger again, defenses have to match. And I think that's kind of where we are heading into 2024.
0: Keyshawn Nixon, an unrestricted free agent. That'll be a very interesting decision. For oh, Peter he is Bay. unrestricted. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So he's an unrestricted free agents. Um, really kind of the only one. Um, you've got John Runyon Jr. You've got Yash Nyman. Um, not a ton. There's not a, there's not a ton on that list that you're obviously savage, Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens. But there's not a ton that you're like super concerned about. But Nixon, one of the bigger ones, certainly on that list is a kick returner, special teams guy, nickel corner, did a little bit of everything, even played a snap at wide receiver. So that'll be a very interesting decision as to what they do with him. I, uh, last Packers question, and we kind of discussed a little bit of this already, so we can punt on it if you want. But any specific positions that you'd like to see Green Bay really attack, whether it be via the draft, via free agency, or just any moves that you'd like to see them specifically make? Well, I think we touched on the secondary. I think
1: we need to make remake the secondary, and the, particularly the safety room. Uh, I think we need to kind of get some new blood into that linebacker room as well. But in particular to figure out the offensive line left tackle center right guard whether that's rasheed walker josh myers sean ryan coming back or whether it's three completely new guys just need a little bit more stability there moving forward and your projection moving forward i think they had a kind of a stable at right guard there really like what rasheed walker did like what josh myers did but just moving forward i think those are some spots to address and i know we had mentioned all these young players with lottery tickets andy add something where you know what you're going to get. And that's just some veteran help. And I'd love to see a veteran safety, particularly somebody that's a really good mind on the back end, that's going to hold the young players accountable with good technique, good practice habits, good study habits. We don't need a lottery ticket everywhere. So something where you kind of know what you're getting, and that could come with some veteran spending. So I hope the Packers maybe spend just a little bit on a veteran presence to kind of
0: balance out some of this youth. Let me give you some safety names. I'm interested just your thoughts. Obviously, you have Antoine Winfield Jr., who's probably just going to get a massive contract. I don't expect yeah. that to be in Green Bay. Uh, you've got Xavier McKinney, who's a free agent. Cameron Curl from Washington. Free and before agent. you go
1: further, Andy, a reminder to fans: people aren't paying safeties anymore. Yeah. And I know people said, "Oh, Jesse Bates' contract." Atlanta was the only team giving them that much money. Look what Seattle did with Jamal Williams, or excuse me, Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. They paid them out the butt and did not get the results derwin james paid a lot did not get the results i think minka right there is only the one that's kind of yielding the results but people are a little bit coy on paying safeties right now so you may be able to get one of these bigger names for more of a bargain price than people think
0: that's a really good point uh winfield uh xavier mckinney cameron curl gino stone uh julian blackman um Jeremy Chin would be like your flyer guy who didn't play really well, but obviously was like a huge athletic tester a couple of years ago. Or is Buddha Baker, Baker locked up in everything I think, think Buddha Baker might be one as well. Uh, these were I focus more on guys who are like 25, 26, 27 years old. To kind I'll of tell you what, what Gino,
1: I mean, Gino Stone is a sneaky, good player. He's kind of that seventh, eighth guy in the Baltimore defensive back room, but obviously yep. you get thrusted in the lineup. He's a really good player at Iowa, smart, tough kid. Seemingly, anytime he got on the field for the Ravens in that uh, Denard Wilson second Secondary was making big plays, and certainly it's nice to have Kyle Hamilton or Roquan Smith and some guys next to you out there. But he could be a sneaky one to to get a splash signing somewhere and get a starting opportunity. Green and gold and those Iowa guys uh, seemingly have a good relationship.
0: Seven picks this past season. He was a stud. He's definitely somebody that's been on my list as well. All right, uh, lightning round. Quick thoughts on 49ers Chiefs.
1: Listen, elite units, elite schemes. I don't care who wins. I don't care what happens. Just sit back and enjoy. Anytime you get Chris Jones, Fred Warner, and, you know, Shark Ward, Lajarius Snead, and Trent Williams out there, McCaffrey, Mahomes. There's just so much talent. You just have to sit back and, and watch and enjoy. And these are really impressive offensive line units, too. So whether you get guys like Trey Smith at right guard and Creed Humphrey uh, for the Chiefs, or like we had mentioned, Trent Williams, even some guys like Aaron Banks that plays at guard or Jake Brendel, center. Don't get enough credit on that San Francisco uh, O-line up there. But just like last year, the Eagles Chiefs, who's going to make that big play on defense? And it might not be created by them. Remember that Jalen Hurts sack fumble, return for a touchdown in the blink of an eye and suddenly lost by seven points? Who's going to make that one kind of dummy, you know, boneheaded move uh, on the offensive side and give some easy points to the defense out there? But Chiefs Niners, I wasn't ready for a rematch yet. I didn't want a Niners-Ravens Super Bowl. I didn't want Chiefs-Niners. Uh, I went into this playoff saying I would love for Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen to win a Super Bowl. I kind of thought they had that merit and they had that ability. I just wanted to see some new blood with a Lombardi trophy if it wasn't our Green Bay Packers. yep. So sitting here with the Chiefs-Niners, a Super Bowl 54 rematch, just sit back and enjoy Shanahan, Andy Reid, two good teams.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think it's all the matchup that a lot of people wa- wanted, but I think it's going to be a great game. And to your point, so much freaking talent on the field. And you just get some really fun matchups. I, it'll still be great football. And I love great football. So I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. And last one, we will obviously have you on during draft time, probably multiple times to talk about some prospects. But I'll just give you the floor for a couple people who are currently piquing your interest in NFL draft circles.
1: Well, I'm loving a few of these guys on my screen right now at the Senior Bowl. Christian Hayes. Christian Haynes out of UConn, actually. UConn prospect. You don't get him every year. He's a really good zone-blocking guard, really quick out of his stance. He's looked great. Some of these centers making names for themselves. 330-pound Jackson Powers Johnson out of Oregon. Massive center. More of like a Creed Humphrey type. But Bo Limmer and Zach Frazier out of West Virginia are really good centers as well, too. If the Packers want to go interior line, some really good options. A couple tackles out there, too, that are probably going to slide into guard like a Graham Barton out of Duke or um, this Tally's Fuaga uh, Oregon State kid, I think would make a great guard moving forward. So I know if Packers fans out there may be looking for a right guard of the future. Look at some of the tackle prospects, too. Some good ones that could slide in, as the Packers have been known to do. A few edges as well. Penn State, another just dripping athleticism, explosive edge rusher, and a DC Isaac seemingly creating pressure on every rep out there in the team period. And some tank Tank, tank linebackers. No more of these 220 sub linebackers. Oh, you're a big safety. Great. Go play Will. No, 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 no. You're going to be 230 pounds, 6'3", and be ready to take on a running back with your face. That's Trayvon Wallace out of Kentucky who's 240 and can run side on the sideline. The Lufau kid uh, from Notre Dame reminds me of Frankie Louvu. You just want to watch him hit something out there. Edger and Cooper at a Texas A&M is 6'3", 245, an absolute missile. A lot of these guys look like that Quay Walker, long, big, explosive, tough. There's a whole stable of them in this class. So I'm not one of these guys that wants to get smaller, more athletic at linebacker. Oh, can you cover? No, no, no. We got to be big, tough enforcers in the middle there. And I think this class has a stable of them to choose from.
0: Yeah, almost like the Baltimore Ravens had a couple of those that helped their defense this past season. San Francisco, obviously, Warner and Greenlaw. You need those inside linebackers in the modern NFL if you want a great defense. Green Bay could use another one next to Quay. Frankie Louvu, by the way, a sneaky potential free agent target as well, who could, again, hit you in the face, blitz up the middle. That'd be a fun potential signing for Green Bay. One thing I wanted to mention that you mentioned before with the offensive line, and you kind of brought it up again with some of the prospects on the interior We are in total lockstep. I think the more depth and um, competition that Green Bay can get on that offensive line, the better they are going to be. You want competition for Rashid. You want it for Sean Ryan. You want it for Josh Myers. I think that's going to push everyone. We saw competition push people this past season. And if you protect Jordan with all the weapons that he has, we saw what this offense is capable of. Just keep breeding those competitions on the offensive line and keep getting better and better and better at that spot. I actually just saw his dad
1: down the hallway, but I was wondering, was John Runyon Jr. hurt down the stretch or was he just splitting
0: time with Sean Ryan? Splitting time. They uh, they wanted to, I think, get Sean Ryan some experience. They, they, they probably saw, obviously, that Runyon's going to be a free agent and maybe writing was on the wall. Uh, Runyon struggled earlier in the season and then played really well towards the end. Um, and then the, they, they did the same thing with Yash and Rashid at left tackle, and then Rashid just won it. Um, at right guard, it was a little bit more of an even split. I thought towards the end, Runyon was just better and was surprised by the time they got to the playoffs that they didn't just make it Runyon's job. But um, I think they, again, probably knew that you know Ryan might need to be the guy next year and wanted to get him as many reps as possible. Yeah, and definitely
1: different skill sets as Runyon probably a little bit better mover. Sean Ryan obviously squeezing into those pads and that face mask, more of a people-moving, mauling type. Yeah. So, but guys, probably better moving forward. Runyon a little bit better going backwards. So we'll see if we can split the difference and find the,
0: the best of both. Yeah, you nailed it. And it'll be interesting to see if they want to do some of that competition on the offensive line moving forward and some of those platoons moving forward or if that was just a one-year thing, that will be something to keep an eye on as well. Ben, Unbelievable stuff as always. Always love chatting with you. Uh, tell all the people where we can find uh, you on social media and what you're going to be doing during uh, the offseason and draft season.
1: Well, you can always catch me at BenFennel underscore NFL on the old Twitter on X, uh, talking about a lot of draft prospects, probably getting into some Oscar movies and conversations soon as well. Not quite golf time yet and gardening, that'll be in a few months. But uh, right now, working on some Senior Bull stuff and then quickly transitioning into our coverage of the Combine which I'll be out there with Daniel Jeremiah, Rich Eisen, Charles Davis, all of our NFL network coverage, and then quickly into draft season. And I will be hitting the links the day after the draft uh, in in Detroit in uh, early May. So that's kind of my schedule here, Senior Bowl Combine Draft. We are full force in the prospects and studying the draft, which this past season I kind of took a back seat from the draft as I did Thursday night football and a CBS game on Sunday. So I was double dipping NFL, so I was a little bit removed from the draft. So it's really exciting to dive in and kind of go in with a clean slate and start developing opinions on these guys. And got to get the got to get ahead of the curve quick because these these uh, draft narratives really start to heat up around this time. So uh, be sure to check out my Twitter where I have a lot of comparisons and talk prospects and all sorts of other nonsense out there. But thanks for having me on, Andy. I always appreciate chatting with you.
0: Yeah, right back at you. Appreciate you as well. Make sure to go give him a follow at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. Also, Ben, just make sure right after that draft, right between those tea times, you leave a little bit of time for the Packaday Podcast to break down all the players from the Packers draft, which we love having you on every single season. That is going to do it for us again at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. You can find me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. But until next time, and as always, go pack go.